You are watching Christ's Commission Fellowship. Changing lives for eternity. How many of you were here last Sunday? Raise your hands. Do you remember the message last Sunday? Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Today, we're going to discuss something that is part of our series on minefields. And today, I want to talk about the reality of selfishness. Everybody, selfitis. Now, what is selfitis? Selfitis is a mental disorder. Are you aware of that? For example, the first minimum sign of a mental disorder of selfitis is this, borderline. If you take your own picture, selfie, three times a day, but you don't post it, you are borderline. However, if you post three times a day and you post it in the social media, you have acute selfitis. Now, if you have chronic selfitis, it's uncontrollable urge to take photos round the clock and posting on social media more than six times a day. How many of you are afflicted with selfitis? Raise your hands. Now, I will introduce to you a new word. It's called selfititis. What is selfititis? Everybody, let's read this together. It is a spiritual disease characterized by excessive preoccupation with oneself and needs without thinking of others. In other words, selfishness. In other words, self-centeredness. You have many names for selfititis. Preoccupation with yourself. Self-absorption. It's all about you. I, me, myself. Now, don't raise your hands. Ask yourself, are you guilty of selfishness? Selfishness is so subtle. I remember the story of a man. He knocked on the door of the neighbors. And the wife, there was a lady. I don't know if he's married or not. The lady opened the door, and he looked at the man, and the man was sad. And the man said, Can, I'm sorry to disturb you. We have a neighbor who needs help. He has no more job. His family is going hungry. And they're about to cut off his electricity. And worst of all, this afternoon, he'll be kicked out of his apartment if he does not pay the rent. The lady said, of course, I'd like to help. By the way, who are you? I am the landlord. <laughs> if you still don't laugh, you, you better wake up. You know why? The reality is we are all selfish, but we don't always see it. This famous writer met up with his friend, and he was so excited. They spent two hours talking, and he said, you know, I'm really sorry I've been talking about myself. Now, let's talk about you. What do you think of my book? <laughs> my friends, selfishness is all over the place. I have it, you have it. But there, here's the danger. Selfishness is a wrong belief 
you believe that the key to happiness is when you put yourself above others. Why are people selfish? In their mind, I need to take care of myself. If I don't take care of myself, I'm going to lose it. And for me to be happy, I've got to take care of number one. That's me. It's a real dilemma because the ways of God are different. In fact, the Bible prophesied the reality of what's going to happen today. Everybody, let's read this together. Realize this in the last days, meaning in the end times. What will happen? Everybody, the first characteristics, the first one mentioned, men will be lovers of self. That's us in the end times. Lovers of money, you see? Boastful, arrogant. Do you notice it's all connected with self? You want to boast? You're arrogant? You want money? It's all about self. Revilers, my goodness, disobedient to parents. How many of you are living with parents? Raise your hands. Higher, higher. I want higher, higher. You're living with parents. Now, I want you guys living with parents to focus on this verse. Everybody, let's read this together. Together, and grateful. Singles, how many of you have ever thanked your parents on a regular basis? Thank you for this place. Thank you for providing for me. Thank you for the food. I'm reminded of a true story that happened. The mother was giving, I don't want to be specific, but he was providing for the family. But the children don't show any appreciation. The children get angry when the mother does not give in to their desire. It's funny how selfish we can be. Continue reading. Unloving, everybody read, unloving, irreconcilable. I never understood this until recently. I've seen people, they don't want to be reconciled. They want to remain apart. It's all about selfishness. They are hurt. They don't want to be reconciled. Unbelievable, even among believers. Now, whether they're believers or not, I don't know. Continue. Malicious gossips without self-control. Conceited. Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. In other words, in the end times, people will be, everybody read, lovers of self. Let me ask you a question. There are only two kinds of people in this room. Consumer, you just take and take, or servants or givers. Let me repeat. Two kinds of people in this room. Servants, the mindset is I want to serve others. And those who feel they're entitled to be served. Like any restaurant, you are either a customer or a waiter. Two kinds of people. Customer or servants, waiter. Takers or givers. I was surprised to learn that in the United States, based on 2016 survey, most Christians don't even tithe. I was shocked. Less than 20% gives. How in the world did that happen? Selfishness. In the last days, 
People will not think of others. It's all about themselves. So the Bible tells us something crucial. If I ask you next Sunday, what is the message today, everybody? What's the message? Beware of selfishness. Beware of selfitis. So look at your neighbor. Tell your neighbor, beware of selfitis. Don't be selfish. Let's read together what the Bible has to say. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit. You notice? Selfishness or vain glory or pride. They are like twin brothers, other side of the coin. They go together. Don't be selfish. Don't, be, don't have this vain glory. But with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. That is hard for me to do. I'm coming before you, telling you I'm still learning how to be humble. By the way, if you ask your neighbor, ask your neighbor, are you humble? Ask them. Are you humble? If your neighbor tells you, I am, my problem I am. Okay? Because humility is something you must strive for, but never claim that you have it. Because throughout my life, I will struggle with humility. Because by nature, we are proud people, by nature. So the Bible tells us, with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourself. That is hard for me. Because my tendency is to take care of me first. Now, the Bible does not say don't take care of yourself. In fact, look at the next verse. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests. In other words, it's okay to look after your personal interests. It's okay, nothing wrong. But also for the interests of others. Now, selfishness comes in various ways. For example, if a mother is spoiling the son or the daughter, you give in to everything they ask for. Is that looking after the interests of your children? Yes or no? See, sometimes you need to learn to say no. You see, if you have a distorted view of what it means to love people, you will have a problem because people will just be trained by you to teach them. It's called learned helplessness. What is learned helplessness? Many parents teach their children to be helpless. Everything the parents will do for them. When there's a problem, you spoil them by giving in all the time. My friend, there's a boundary. My wife was telling me the story of a single lady whose parents are abusing her generosity. They demand money. They steal her stuff. Now, this daughter does not know what to do. Spiritual maturity will tell you there are times you need to set boundaries. What are boundaries? You tell your parents, I love you. But if you use the money for gambling, if you use the money for something else, I'm sorry, I cannot always provide that kind of money. So what she did, she set up a budget. Only so much a month. Here's the credit card. Only so much a month. 
Because loving people is not spoiling people. Sometimes the most selfish thing you can do is to spoil people. You know why? Because you want to just appease everybody. You are thinking of yourself. That's why you keep giving in. No, no, no. You need to understand. You must do what is good for the others. And that is called genuine love. The antidote for selfishness is to learn to love people the right way. It's learning to be humble. How can you learn selfishness? You learn selfishness in marriage. Everybody look at me. How many of you are still single? Single, Muna, single, single. Wave at me, single. You know why? Single. How many of you are married? Raise your hands. Now, many of you are married. I tell married couples, after three weeks of honeymoon, you will discover the meaning of selfishness. You want to know what is selfishness? Once you get married, you begin to see the meaning of the word selfishness. Because when you live with somebody, you are committed to that person, things will show. I'm happily married, I praise God. But when I married my wife, I discovered my selfishness. Our problem is we focus on the selfishness of the others. That's not what I want you to learn. You see, the idea is marriage, in a good marriage, you must identify your own selfishness and not the others. You treat your selfishness more seriously than the others. And you will only learn real selfishness when you are in committed relationships. What do I mean committed relationships? In a workplace with your, in, with your co-workers, in a family with parents and children. Relationships that you cannot get away from, but because it's a committed relationship. You learn that God will use committed relationships to transform your character. For example, in my case, when we first got married, I was used to the Asian way. You know, in Asian way, the man is the boss. Understand? The man is the boss. By the grace of God, my wife was loving. She was very nice. But I noticed something. I don't carry her bag. You know why I don't carry her bag? What's my culture? What's our culture? The man is the boss. So what does she do? She carries her bag. Worst of all, she began to carry my bag. <laughs> I'm confessing. I'm confessing to you. But by the grace of God, this did not last long. You know why? The Lord convicted me. Because I was trained, never go to the kitchen. Because that is the job of the woman, the job of the wife, to be in the kitchen. I was trained that way. But when I learn about Jesus, when I learn about God, my wife does not demand me to go to the kitchen. But now I've learned how to go to the kitchen. I learned to get my own stuff. I learned to get my own water. I learned to cooking. That one is something only a miracle can uh, help me become a good cook. And then I developed muscle atrophy. And then my wife told me, honey, I have the cure for you. My wife said, I said, what's the cure? It's called, in medical term, CMB, 
Wow, CMB. What is CMB? My wife said, I was thinking of the word chronic, you know, M, you know, something sophisticated. You know what is CMB? Carry my bag. <laughs> so now I carry her bags, okay? Understand? My friend, are we selfish? I don't know about you. I'm learning. So in a good marriage, you identify your own selfishness and see it as a fundamental problem. You don't focus on the others. In a marriage, it's not about two individuals trying to satisfy their own needs. In a good marriage, it's about partnership of mutual self-giving. You focus on the others. By the way, last day for registration is today. Okay? Our marriage seminar is going to be can you flash that marriage seminar? It's going to be in Baguio Country Club, September 28 to October 1. Now, this is the last day. We've got a few rooms left. You know why I want you to attend? Because when you attend that, you will learn the meaning of selfishness. You will learn how to overcome selfishness, how to overcome problems. How do you communicate in such a way that your marriage will become stronger? By the way, if you have unbelieving friends, people who are not committed, please invite them. This is very good for them. Okay? Now, everybody, I want to give you a story of why selfishness is very bad. You must understand what's wrong with selfishness. Are you ready? And you, will, you want to see how it appears in your life, in my life. I want to talk about the story of Abraham and Lot. How many of you, how many of you are familiar, familiar with the story of Abraham and Lot? Raise your hand. Okay, we studied the book of Genesis. Remember? God told Abraham to leave his country. God told Abraham to leave his relatives. And what did Abraham do? He left, except he brought his nephew. That was a mistake, but he brought his nephew. So now let's read about Abraham and Lot. The Bible tells us Abraham was very rich in livestock, silver, and gold. Lot went with Abraham. And the Bible tells us the land could not sustain them while dwelling together for their possessions were so great that they were not able to remain together. Do you understand the problem? They were so blessed. The land could not accommodate both of them. And there was strife between the herdsmen of Abraham's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock. The Canaanite and the Perizzite were dwelling then in the land. Now, most people don't understand why this sentence was inserted. The Canaanite and the Perizzite were dwelling in the land. It's very simple. Abraham represented a man of God. Lot and Abraham, they were supposed to be believers. So there was a strife. In the middle of the strife, they were living among unbelievers. Who are the unbelievers? Canaanites, Perizzites. Now, strife is inevitable. Conflict is inevitable. You will surely have problems. To solve the problem, you must be, be aware of selfitis. Because selfishness eventually is the root cause of problems. Listen to me. The number one reason why we have relationship problems, why marriages break up, is because of selfishness. That's the number one reason. Why family have problems, why we have relationship problems, what's the number one reason? Selfishness. We only think about ourselves. Well, praise God for Abraham. There was a problem. What did Abraham do? Well, Abraham initiated a solution. Everybody, let's read this. 
Abraham said, Please, let there be no strife between you and me, nor between my herdsman and your herdsman. We are brothers. So Abraham put a lot of emphasis on the importance of relationship. And Abraham said, this is what we should do. He gave Lot an amazing offer. Is not the whole land before you. Separate from me. If to the left, I will go to the right. If to the right, I will go to the left. Is that a good offer? Yeah. Abraham was not selfish. Now, if you were Lot, what will you do? Who is the uncle? Abraham. Who is Lot? The nephew. Now, in Oriental culture, in Asian culture, in Philippine culture, in Chinese culture, in Asian culture, what will the younger one do if the older one will offer you? What will you do? The culture will say, Uncle, you are older than me. You choose. If you go to the right, I go to the left. If you go to the left, I go to the right. Uncle said, no, no, no. You choose. No, 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 uncle, uncle, uncle. You are older than me, and it's because of you I was blessed. You make the first choice, uncle. Uncle Abraham said, no, no, no. You choose. Is that what happened? How I wish that happened. That's not in the Bible. You know what happened? The moment Abraham said, you choose, you know what Lot did? He forgot his culture. In his selfishness, is something that is, is very subtle. You don't realize it, but you have it. You know what Lot did? Amazing. Lot lifted up his eyes and saw all the valley of the Jordan. It was well watered everywhere. This was before Lot, the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as you go to Zohar. In other words, Lot automatically, by his own selfishness, he looked around. If your business is raising cattle, goats, sheep, what's most important? Grass and water. So he looked around, and what did he do? You want to know the, you want to know the next verse? Lot said, Uncle, why don't you get the nicest place? You first. Is that what Lot did? <laughs> Lot said, Lot, everybody read, chose for himself all the valley of the Jordan. Lot journeyed eastward, thus they separated from each other. You know, one scholar was sharing. Lot could have separated with Abraham by dividing the Jordan River. On one side is your property, on one side is mine. But Lot got everything. He wanted the best of the best. So, selfishness is not only subtle. Selfishness is short-sighted. Because as of now, you will think Lot got the best of everything. It seems Lot got the best of everything. But I want to tell you something about selfishness. Selfishness will eventually destroy the person. Selfishness will never, ever be good for anybody. At the end, it leads to misery. The Bible tells us Lot temporarily was so happy. Abraham settled in the land of Canaan, while Lot settled in the cities of the valley and moved his tents as far as Sodom. Notice. When you are selfish, 
you tend to compromise. First compromise, he moved his tents. He moved his tents near Sodom. The Bible tells us the men of Sodom were wicked exceedingly and sinners against the Lord. You see, selfish people are short-sighted. They only think of temporal gain. So for Lot, wow, this is great. The land is plentiful. I'm in the city. Even though the city is wicked, you compromise your values for the sake of selfishness. How can you tell whether you are selfish or not? Just look at your heart. Are you willing to compromise biblical values for the sake of material gains? And if your answer is yes, perhaps you and I are selfish. Well, let's find out what happened. Would you like to know what happened? Well, let me tell you what happened. 20 plus years later, after 20 plus years, okay, Lot was so successful. But 20 plus years later, understand? His children are grown up. He has established an amazing business empire in Sodom and Gomorrah. And this is what happened. The two angels came to Sodom in the evening as Lot was sitting in the gate of Sodom. When Lot saw them, he rose to meet them and bowed down with his face to the ground. The Bible tells us God sent two angels to Sodom and Lot met them. And the two angels told Lot, Lot, we are going to destroy this place. You better get out of this place because the Lord has sent us to destroy the entire city of Sodom and Gomorrah. What did Lot do? Well, Lot went out and spoke to his sons-in-law who were to marry his daughters, Maribel and Zoradi, and said, Up, get out of this place. The Lord will destroy the city. But he appeared to his sons-in-law to be jesting. Now, this tells me a lot about Lot. Lot has no credibility. When it comes to spiritual things, they did not believe in that. And my theory is this. Lot must have lived a lifestyle of worldliness. At the same time, he's also pretending, not pretending, he's, he's also trying to be a Christian in his lifestyle, godly. But the family members don't believe him. When he said, this is going to be destroyed, they don't believe him. Why? Perhaps... His testimony, perhaps his walk, has never been godly. I really don't know why. But the Bible tells us, when morning dawned, the angels urged Lot, up, take your wife and your two daughters who are here, or you will be swept away in the punishment of the city. Notice, the grace of God was upon Lot. And the angel told Lot, get out of here. Get your wife, get your children. But you know what's shocking? This is what's shocking. He hesitated. He hesitated. Why? You know, can I just tell you what's in my mind? Maybe he was thinking of all of his Mercedes Benz, all of his Porsche, all of his condominiums, all of his possessions. He's thinking of all of his paintings. He's thinking of all of his art collection. My goodness, this is all my accomplishment. Perhaps. He doesn't want to leave the place. So the man seized his hand and the hand of his wife and the hands of his two daughters. 
for the compassion of the Lord was upon him. And they brought him out and put him outside the city. Two angels, two hands. How many people can they grab? Four people. Lot and his wife, one daughter and the other daughter. The grace of God is amazing. And the Bible tells us, Lot lost everything. Because the Lord, everybody, let's read this. The Lord rained on Sodom and Gomorrah, brimstone and fire. From the Lord out of heaven. Have you noticed the Trinity? Look at the Trinity. The Lord rained on Sodom and Gomorrah, brimstone and fire from the Lord out of heaven. You have the Lord with Lot and Abraham. Remember they were talking? Anyway, that's not the point today. The point is this. And he overthrew those cities, all the valley and all the inhabitants, the cities, and what grew on the ground. And what's so sad, Abraham lost his wife. His wife from behind him looked back and she became a pillar of salt. Now let me ask you, what did the wife look back? Friends, when you are selfish, when you are self-centered, your values become material. And when your values become material, it will impact your children. You see, Abraham was different. I will tell you what happened to Abraham. In the meantime, what happened to Lot? <laughs> Lot lost everything. He lost his wife. Guess what happened to his two daughters? The two daughters lost their moral bearing. The two daughters seduced the father. Out of incest, they bore children. Who are the children? You have the Moabites and you have the Ammonites. And history tells us the Ammonites and the Moabites were selfish. When their cousins, when the Israelites were going to pass through their property, even hundreds of years later, they refused. Because the selfishness of the father is usually transferred to the next generation, to the next generation, to the next generation. And the Bible tells us the Moabites and the Ammonites were so selfish. Instead of loving their cousins, the Israelites, they fought against the Israelites. And at the end, if you look at history, Moabites and Ammonites were erased were erased from history. In other words, Lot temporarily gained. At the end, he lost everything, including his legacy. And such is the problem of selfish people. You may gain temporarily, but the examples you are giving to your children, to your family, will have dire consequences. At the end, Lot lost everything. Beware of selfitis. Tell your neighbor, beware of selfitis. You may think you are winning, but you are not. You know what happened to Abraham? The Bible tells us the Lord said to Abraham, notice, after Lot had separated from him. I'm going back now to Genesis 13. Look at Abraham. Now lift up your eyes, look from the place where you are, where you are northward, southward, eastward, westward, 
For all the land which you see, I will give it to you, empty your descendants forever. Why was Abraham willing to be generous? My friend, the reason why we are selfish is our mindset. We think we have to protect ourselves. We need to gain from our neighbors in order to bless ourselves. But a generous person is different. He's connected to God. He's God-centered. He knows that all his blessings come from the Lord. You see, for Abraham, blessings does not come from the land. For Abraham, blessings come from the promises of God. You see, God gave Abraham an amazing promise. You know what was the promise? I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. Make your name great. You shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. The one who curses you, I will curse. In you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. You see, you can only be generous if you know that the source of your blessing is God. And God has blessed us to bless others. But if your mindset is luck, you know, many people, their mindset is, it is not enough. I cannot afford to be generous because it is never enough. Once upon a time, that was my mindset. And I realized as you put God first, as you serve Him, you know what? God gives you more abilities to bless others. So the net effect of knowing God, loving God, intimacy with God is generosity. If you don't know the Lord, listen to me, you'll be very tight. Self-centered. It's all about us. So the question is this, do you know the Lord? Abraham knew the Lord. Abraham knew that faith in God, trusting that God is the one who will bless us, will result in thinking of others. You know why people cannot think of others? They are so empty. When you are empty, you don't have the Lord, you cannot afford to think of others. It's all about you. Because you are empty. Do you know the most miserable people? The most miserable people are self-centered people. And you know why people are self-centered? Can I tell you why? Because you are empty. You get angry. When you think people disrespect you, you're always thinking, everybody's thinking about you. You know, you know, when I counsel people, I said, excuse me, you are not the most important person in the world, so I don't think everybody's talking about you. You know, sometimes they come to me, you know, everybody's talking about me. Really? Everybody's talking about you? Are you that important? Excuse me. Beware of self-retitis. Don't be so impressed with yourself. And the reason why we are selfish is because that's our mindset. We think we need to protect ourselves in order for our well-being to be protected. No, no. Trust God. When you trust God, you entrust your future to the Lord. And the Bible tells us the solution. What's the solution? Everybody, let's read this. This is the solution. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. Everybody read. Who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped. Notice, when the Bible was written, in verse 4 and 5, before this, the Bible says, don't be selfish. The Bible says, think of others. And then the Bible provides the solution. You know what's the solution? Everybody read verse 5. Have this attitude. Now, this is a command. You must have this attitude. You must have this mindset like Christ. You must have the mind of Christ. You must think like Christ. What can we learn about Jesus? Everybody read. Although he existed in the form 
of God. The problem with the English language, you are, we are so limited. For example, he, the English word is form. But in the Greek language, in the original language, you have different words for form. One has the idea of nature. It is permanent. It is like the word, it's from the word morphe. That's the word for nature. For example, a flower. A flower can be a rose, sampagita, ilang-ilang. Do you understand? Now, different kind of flowers, but the morphe, the form, the nature is called flower. Different kinds of flower, different schema, different shape, different looks. But the form, the nature is flower. A baby boy, a teenager, a grown-up man, the schema is a boy or a baby, a teenager, adult. That's the schema. What is the form? What is the morphe? The morphe is human. The Bible uses the word morphe, the nature. This is one of the strongest verses when it comes to the divinity of Jesus. The Bible says, look at Jesus. He existed in the nature, morphe of God. In other words, Jesus was God. That's his nature. From time immemorial, Jesus was God. He did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, meaning he did not keep on grabbing. He was willing to become a man. He tells us, if you want to learn not to be selfish, look at Jesus. What can we learn about Jesus? He emptied himself. Now, the word emptied himself, what does it mean? He gave up the rights of glory to be respected, to be treated as divine. But he never gave up divinity. Understand? This verse does not mean Jesus stopped becoming God. No, no. He became a man, but he did not give up Godhead. But he gave up the rights, the privileges, taking the form of a bond servant and being made in the likeness of men, schema, likeness of men. So the Bible says Jesus gave up his prerogatives. But he did not stop becoming God. Everybody, listen to me. I want to teach you theology. Starting today, you must understand Jesus is God. Say that with me. Jesus is God. At the same time, Jesus became man. Jesus is man. Say that with me. Jesus is man. When he became a man, he did not cease becoming God. Understand? He only surrendered the rights. He did not exercise the prerogative of God. But was Jesus God? Definitely. But why did he become a man? Let me tell you why. Look at the example of Jesus. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. What the Bible is saying is this. Jesus was God. He humbled himself by becoming a man. He not only humbled himself by becoming a man, he became a servant. You see, Jesus could have been born in a palace. He could have been born as a king, but he was born to serve us. If you have a hard time becoming humble, I want you to focus on Jesus. The secret of overcoming selfishness is look at Jesus. Don't look at yourself. Look at Jesus. And the Bible says he not only became a man, 
He was willing to die. Not only was he willing to die, he was willing to die on a cross. The ultimate punishment. You cannot sink any lower than to die on a cross. <coughs> there is no way to go down any lower in terms of suffering, in terms of pain, in terms of humiliation. When Jesus was crucified, he was naked, no clothes. He was God. How can God do that? Because he loves you. If Jesus did not become a man, he cannot die. If Jesus did not die for us, how can your sins be forgiven? The penalty of sin is what? Death. So he humbled himself to become a man, to die for you and to die for me. <coughs> for this reason, for this reason, God highly exalted Jesus and bestowed on him the name which is above every name. Can I tell you the name of Jesus? The New Testament translator translated the word Lord, kurios. That is the same Greek word to translate the name of God in the Old Testament. The name of God in the Old Testament is Yahweh, the famous four letters. Remember J-W-H? Do you remember those four letters? That is translated as kurios. And that's the New Testament term for Jesus. Jesus is Lord. That's the name of Jesus. And because of the name of Jesus, God exalted him. Everybody read. So that at the name of Jesus, Lord, every knee will bow. Every knee, no exception, of those who are in heaven, probably angelic beings, and on earth, probably those of us here alive, and under the earth, probably those who are in hell. All dimensions are mentioned. And that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You see, Jesus did everything for the glory of God. My friend, believe it or not, someday everybody will be forced to believe that Jesus is the Christ. Someday, everybody will be forced. Believers or unbelievers, doesn't matter what religion you belong to. Every knee will bow. My friend, the key to overcoming selfishness is to realize we have an amazing Savior, Jesus. And only Jesus can change your life, can change my life. In fact, in this room today, you have only two kinds of people. Those of you who have bowed down to Jesus. You already know he's your Lord. Second are people who have never bowed down to Jesus. Jesus is not yet your Lord. I want to tell you, it doesn't matter. Sooner or later, someday, you will bow down. When I proclaim Jesus, to me it's a privilege. It's a privilege for me to talk about Jesus. I'm not ashamed of Jesus because he is Lord. I tell people, come to him today. Don't wait until tomorrow. And Jesus is the only person that can change your heart. I've asked somebody to share with us how he was transformed from selfishness to no longer 
selfish. Maybe a little selfish, but no longer a selfish. Just like you, just like me. Let's welcome our sharer. Let's welcome Gabby. I was an honor student since preschool until the last day I went to school here in the Philippines. But unlike most kids, my medals were hung by my guardians, my aunties who took care of me since birth. I grew up without my parents. I remember telling myself, I'll show them. One day they're going to regret leaving a son like me who will be rich and successful someday. I'll show them and I'll show you all. So I grew up with a deep motivation to succeed, hatred and vengeance. I hated my parents. I hated everything I didn't have and wondered, why me? What did I ever do to them? They were so selfish and thought only of themselves. I swore if ever I had a family, I'd make sure I'd be different. I was about eight years old when my dad petitioned me to live in the U.S. with my stepmom and my siblings. I was second at the top in the entire school. I was the president of the Filipino club. I was a varsity wrestler at freshman year. But I was forced to drop out of school when I ran away from home. I was 14 years old then. I found comfort in my Filipino gang that I joined, who became my family. Though I knew there was a God, I just didn't know where to find Him. In 1989, I came back to the Philippines to study, but instead I partied and eventually got a girl pregnant. I ran off back to the U.S., where I started working for a door-to-door -door company at 15 years old illegally. At 16, I was promoted to becoming a sales manager, a national sales manager at 17, and an international manager at 18. In 1992, I was sent to the Philippines to start our company's operation in Manila. It was also the time when I joined the Sales Training Institute, whose clients are the top 300 corporations in the country. I was recognized as the country's youngest motivational speaker at that time and trainer with expertise in sales and management. In 1993, I got married to Cynthia, the woman I got pregnant in 1989. I said my vows and I promised to take good care of my son, Gio, but I did not really care much for them. I just wanted to look good so people would not say negative things about me. I really wanted to be a good father to Gio, but the problem was I didn't have a clue, for I never saw a good father. Much more, I become a husband. I was always centered on myself, being a victim of some sort, and honestly, I didn't care what anybody says about my decisions or actions. I didn't really care what God think of my, what I did. Much later, I was pirated by a multi-billion property developer here in the Philippines where I became a vice president for sales. I made my millions from all the properties I sold in my team. Then, we had our second child, Ives. Again, I promised to be a better father and husband, but I failed again. Often, I was thinking, I deserve to be happy. I never experienced teenage life. I made my money. I can spend it any which way I can. And so selflessly, I did. In 2002, my wife Cynthia accepted Jesus as her Lord and Savior and started attending Bible studies. This gave me more free time to indulge in all my vices while she was busy in a way. Eventually, we got separated. And because I couldn't live alone, I got involved with whoever, whenever, wherever. I had to take care of my needs since she had our kids, a family who supported her, 
and she had a God. I didn't. But eventually, I begged Cynthia to take me back and promised to accept her Jesus and to attend a small group in her previous church. This was when my journey of becoming a true fake Christian began. You know, the kind that goes to Sunday church every Sunday, but don't even read the Bible. I don't even obey the Bible. I just pretend I'm a Christian. Life became worse, even if I tried to project as it's getting better. Everything was always about me. I got into heavier pornography. I gambled more. Extreme immorality that resulted to me having 16 different children from 16 different women, aside from my six legitimate children with my wife, Cynthia. So I have 22 children all in all. Yeah. <laughs> Worst of all, I wasn't just a heavy smoker, but became a serious drug addict. A serious drug addict. I continued to pretend being a born again, but I got burned again and again and again. My selfishness led me to ruins. My selfishness led me to a path of misery and pain. I completely lost my wife. I lost my children. I lost my career. I lost my direction. I lost everything because of my selfishness. With nowhere to turn to, I tried looking for God. I started reading the Bible. But God's sovereignty, well, God works in a very weird way. Last 2014, he allowed me to be incarcerated. I was imprisoned for a crime I did not commit. I was convicted for failing to attend a hearing back in 1998. It was in the New Believed prison where I was incarcerated. I met Colonel June Borromeo, a CCFer and a JLC student who was serving time. Together with another pastor, he fathered me as his spiritual son and guided me accordingly. While in prison, we studied theology in an off-campus Bible school. When we graduated, we preached and ministered to thousands of inmates day in and day out. It was in prison where the CCF GLC team visited us, gave us materials, and introduced GLC 1, which we then taught in all the dormitory cells. It was in prison where our God took away all my selfishness and restored my whole family. All my broken relationships with my wife, my children, my dad, my mom, and my half-sisters. All had been restored. Like what happened to Joseph in Genesis 50:20, God meant everything for good. Even my imprisonment was meant for good. For it was in prison where I experienced God's grace, forgiveness, and transforming power. It wasn't prison that changed me. It wasn't my wife that changed me. It was actually Jesus' selflessness that changed me and took my selfishness away. By God's grace, I was released last February of this year. Today... My family and I are faithfully attending services here at CCF Maine. I now have my own D-group. I attend and accountable to my D-group leader, and I'm privileged to lead a D-group in Makati and Taguig. My name is Gary Zaldi Galvez. I was once a selfish and a very true fake Christian, now a true child of God. Praise to Him God. be all the praise and glory. Praise God. 
I've asked uh, Gary's family, Cynthia, to come here. This is the real family. <laughs> now I have to identify, you know, you're fake news, you're fake Christian, so you're admitting you're a fake Christian, but yeah. now real Christian, follower of Jesus. Let's give God a clap offering. I'm going to ask the one who is helping disciple him now, can you please come, uh, Hills, uh, Niels? Neil is his small group leader. I wanted Colonel Borromeo to come, but I discovered he's still in jail. So we pray for him, okay? We pray for him. Do you think we need to pray for the brother? You know, God moves in an amazing way, but selfishness is our root problem. Do you see how selfish he was? He did not understand the hurt he inflicted on Cynthia when he was having other children outside the family. Men, you don't realize the amount of emotional pain that you and I will inflict on our wives when we are adulterous, when we are unfaithful. Because selfish people don't think of the pain they cause others. And ladies, when you leave your home, you don't realize the pain you are causing your family. My wife reminded me of a member in CCF. When she came to know the Lord, she began to change. But you notice, my wife told me, even after many years of walking with the Lord, she told my wife, I still feel the pain of my parents' separation. When she was almost 50, she was still praying for their reconciliation. And God did an amazing thing. Her father and her mother developed cancer. Both of them went to the same hospital. And in the same hospital, they got reconciled before death. Is God amazing? But my friend, selfishness will lead to divorce. The worst counsel you can get, it's about time you look for your own happiness. The last crazy counseling session that most people will get from unbelievers, it's about time you think of yourself. It's about time you think of your own happiness. My friend, the secret of the Lord is you put God first and you experience real joy. You put yourself first, destruction. Shall we pray for them? All right, everybody, raise your right hand. Lord God, I thank you for what you have done in the life of Gary and Cynthia and their whole family. I pray you continuously protect this family. Give Gary a humble heart. Let him know that pride, selfishness, self-centeredness can easily creep in again. So I pray for this family. Use them to bring others to your kingdom. And we also pray for Niels, for his faithfulness and the willingness to spend time in discipling others. And I pray for all the families that are present here today. Some of us are hurting. Some are discouraged. Remind us, Lord, that only in you can you transform us. We now commit to you the rest of uh, the future of this family. I pray for Colonel Borromeo that his life is not in vain, his effort in the prison is not in vain. Encourage him, let him know that he has been a blessing to many people. In Jesus' name we all pray. Amen and amen. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. So what is the antidote? For you to take home, you think of Jesus, put Jesus first. Everybody share that with me. Jesus. So the antidote for selfishness is Jesus. So how do, you, how do you spell Jesus, the first letter? J. So when you think of Jesus, you think of J-O-Y. 
Why? What is J-O-Y? Well, J-O-Y is the mind of Jesus. J-O-Y. Always think of Jesus, others, you last. That's the paradox of life. The last shall be first and the first last. God tells us his, his economics are different. Give and it will be given back to you. Give and you shall help. Be humble and you'll be exalted. Think of others and he will take care of you. In other words, you want to be joyful or miserable. It's your choice. You want to be joyful or miserable? Joyful. Well, how, how should you do it? Jesus, others, and you. Practical advice for all of us. If there's, no, if there's a job that no one wants to do, what must you do it? You must say, I'll do that job, okay? That's how you practice putting Jesus first, others second, you last. Everybody read with me. If there's a job no one wants to do, I'll do that job. If someone cuts me on the road, I will let him in and not retaliate. Don't cut him again, okay? Let him go through. If someone needs a taxi, I'll let that person ride first and I'll just take the next one. Understand? It happened to me in Singapore. We were falling in line and then two young guys came along and they went to ride a taxi. I have to act nicely, you know why? Because the other pastors are with me. <laughs> Think like Jesus, okay? My goodness. What about this one? If there's someone who does not know the Lord, I will share the love of Christ to him. Everybody, how many of you shared the gospel already past few weeks? Raise your hand. Can I tell you, out of 33, I've already shared 10. 10. I'm not trying to meet my quota, okay? I'm just telling you. Out of, remember what's our target? How many people will you share the gospel with? How many? 33. I'm not talking about when I share the gospel here and people stand up. I'm not counting that. I'm talking about one-on-one, one-on-two. I'm talking about personal evangelism, okay? I have already how many? Ten. I'm not saying they all need to come to Christ, but I share the gospel with love. Now, how many of you love people? You learn to love people? Yes or no? Well, selfishness is not sharing the gospel. Selfishness is knowing the truth, and you don't care about others. You don't care whether they know Jesus or they don't know Jesus. Can I tell you why? Because we are selfish. You don't care about their future. I'm learning to care for people. That's why I share the gospel. Please, think about sharing the gospel. And then the Bible tells us, if there's a parking space that's far away from CCF, will you please park in that place, okay? Why are you laughing? Because it's close to your home now. Hey, it's so nice to be saying, you know, yes, I love people, but please pray. We are going to start our new building parking lot probably by next month, okay? By next month. And I praise God, we will double our parking space, okay? Double. In the meantime, let's not be selfish, okay? Let's just help others. As we close, I want you to see a video that has touched my heart. It is so touching that I believe God wants you not to be selfish, but to think of others. It's a short video. Perhaps you have seen this already. Let's see this quickly.
even a handicapped boy can help others. There's no reason why you and I cannot help others. Jesus wants us to have a mindset, a servant mindset, to help others. By nature, we are selfish. We don't care. But I believe that God wants to use all of us to care for others. And you will not care for others from the heart if you don't understand the love of God. Let's bow our heads and pray. If God has spoken to you and you have never ever recognized Jesus as your Lord, you have never seen his love for you, he gave up everything so that he can give us life. And today, you like Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. You want to recognize him as your Lord. Why don't you just raise your hands? Praise God. Anybody else? You want to recognize Jesus as your Lord today. Raise your hands higher. I want to pray for you. Praise God. Give them up. To those of you who are willing to commit, I will do my best to stop being selfish. I want to help others starting today. I want to help others. Lord, can you help me help others? That God gives you a new desire, a new passion to be a servant, to have a servant heart. You want to help others and not live for yourself. Will you raise your hands also? Praise God. Right, those of you who are making those commitments to come to Jesus or to want to help others, why don't you all stand up? I want to pray for you. If you are going to make that commitment to make Jesus your Lord or to be a servant to others also, stand up also. God has spoken to you and you have been selfish and now you say, Lord Jesus, I realize you gave up your rights, the right of your glory, the glory of heaven. You came down to suffer and die for us. Help me to be like you, Jesus. Anybody else? The Bible tells us we are not to be selfish. If you are willing to make a commitment today, Lord, help me not to be selfish. I want to pray for you. Will you stand up? If you want us to pray for you so that you will stop being selfish, I want you to stand up. If you want to remain selfish, that's between you and the Lord. I'm not going to force anybody. But if God has spoken to you and you want me to pray for you, just like that little boy, to be able to think of others, Remember, I'm selfish, but I'm asking God to help me not to be selfish. Anybody else, just stand up between you and Jesus. I think it's about time we Christians stop being selfish. It's about time we live for others through Christ. It's one thing to speak. It's another thing to act it out. And the way you will act it out is you do it for Jesus. Everything you do, just remember Jesus, others, and you. That's how you have joy. Father God in heaven, I thank you for everybody here. Thank you that you have reminded us again and again that selfishness will lead to misery. Selfishness will eventually lead to self-destruction. 
So forgive us when we are selfish, especially when we don't want to consider you to be our Lord and Master. I now pray for those people who have not yet recognized you as their Lord and Master. Pray this prayer with me. If Jesus is not yet your Lord and Master and you want to do that today, pray this prayer. Lord Jesus, I surrender my life to you. I recognize you and make you my Lord today. Lord Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. Thank you for all that you have done in my life, through my life. Father God in heaven, I now commit to you, all of us who are willing not to be selfish. Only you can change us. Help us to think of others. Help us to be more loving. May your Holy Spirit live his life in and through us. Transform our mind. Help us to realize by putting you first, others, it is for our own good also. And above all, we bring glory to your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. God bless you. Connect with CCF through the following websites. Jumpstart your spiritual journey by joining a small group. We are so blessed you were able to join us today. God bless and see you next time.